0: Open your boxes. Open your boxes. One, two, three. Yo, it's patience. This is the voice of reason. reason, reason. I'm baby. Open. How y'all doing out here tonight? I'm a dad. Was well, someone who's very, very close to me. He raised my sisters and I, I have two sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was deported when I was nine, unexpectedly.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, so, where are you, where are you
0: from? I'm from Ivory Coast. Okay. I was born here, but, yeah, you know, I read my hood. I'm <laughs> African. <laughs> I'm from West Africa, Ivory Coast, or whatever. So even though I was born here and I didn't go there, my first time going there was when I was 25. I still claim it because, you know, people hear your name. My real name is Kadi. They'll think, like, what does that mean? No, it's not no just ghetto name that my parents made (laughs) up. I'm African, so that's where it comes from. And my mom was deported when I was nine, unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. So it was a day like she just thought she was going to work. It didn't go out as planned. She ended up um, being arrested by ICE just because um, of not having proper documentation. And then eventually ended up being deported. So that's how my dad ended up raising my sisters and I. And from there, you know, my dad was really all I knew. And it's three girls. So you could imagine how unique that is for a man to raise like three young girls into teenagers and eventually women. Um, I was coming home from work. Mm -hmm. It was like what six, six, seven. I just started that job. That's actually where I met Jason at. I was coming from work and um, visiting hours was over at eight. And I remember I would get home at seven. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get to the hospital at seven. I'll be able to do an hour with him and then I'll be able, you know, to go home. And I was just treating it like a a normal day. Um, Actually two days before that, my sister, she um, called me while I was at work, this new job I just started. And she's like, you know, I don't like, I don't like how daddy's breathing. So I'm going to take him, I'm going to take him to the hospital. He don't want to go, but I'm telling him let's go to the emergency room because I don't like how he's breathing. So I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, like an hour later, I get a call, and it's a lady, um, like one of the nurses, and she's like, I need you to come to the hospital. Your sister is freaking out, and she needs someone here to support her. And I'm like, at this point, I'm just frozen and numb, like, okay, what is going on? And I get my sister on the phone. She could really talk. She's like, Daddy, you stopped breathing. And at that moment, I had the opportunity to leave work. And go to the hospital, which you would think any normal person would do, and I did not. I remember just telling my sister, like, I'm whispering, like, at work, on the phone, like, not even reacting, like, okay, I'm going to come after work. I'm going to come after work. And um, I got to the hospital after work around, like, 630, and my dad is, like, hooked up to all these tubes, not talking, literally, like, jerking, and just, like, not in himself. I guess he was in a coma, and it still didn't register to me. I was still like, okay, this is like where, and my friend was there and I'm just sitting there and he's like, we're in this small waiting room. He's there. I wouldn't even look at him. I'm just there like, okay. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, this is normal. Like my dad said I was hospitalized twice, but it turned out to be good. So I'm like, okay, even though right now he's not talking, this is the most extreme I ever seen him. I was like, no, it's going to be normal. Like, I'm not even going to let all of this take control of me right now. So a few days later, that's when I went to the hospital because he was in the hospital for two days. So I went to the hospital. I'm like, it's going to be a res- regular visit. I get on the elevator and that's when I get a call from my friend. Like, you need to call your sister. She just called panicking saying the doctor said your father's heart stopped. At this point, I'm on the elevator. Mm-hmm. The elevator doors open. And I see all the nurses like rushing to his room. Once again, I froze. I could have went in the room. I could have like, you know, I just froze. And I, I feel like I tried to, I tried to not be in the moment. I froze, and I remember calling, like, a friend, like, can you come to the hospital? I think they said my dad's heart stopped, and I'm scared. So, I was the first person in the hospital, and I decided not to go in. Everyone ended up coming, and then a few minutes later, the doctors come out and said he didn't make it. Oh, my God. Your story?
2: <laughs> my mind, I thought, oh, I'm next. I'm so oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think That's fine, I'll go. Alright, so,
1: um, let me see. It was... January January twenty eighth, right? My grandma's birthday, uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and um, I was eleven. Yeah, eleven, turning twelve at the time. And uh, I remember, let's see, waking up. Um, well, my mom dropped us off at at, at my stepfather's, and I remember waking up that like that middle of the night, and my mom was engaged to a guy. Uh, very good guy. We still mm-hmm. we still communicate. Um And I remember him talking to my stepfather. And my stepfather was like an ex-Marine, like super hardcore. Like when we got in trouble, he used to make us do push-ups and like squats and all that. So like he was super tough. I've n- never seen him like a week before. Mm. You know what I mean? Or like cry or, or anything. So uh I just saw them. I woke up and saw them having their exchange like at the front door. And he just starts sobbing. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm still 11. So I don't know what's going on. I just knew something was wrong. So then um I fall back asleep. We get it Sunday. So I fall back asleep. We get up. We go to church. Um, So we go to church. Everything is fine. And then we go to like a park after church. So we go home, change, go to a park. We all play like a bunch of us kids and cousins and stuff. And I just like remember like, Vividly, like feeling like yo something isn't something isn't right, right? So I'm asking my stepfather like, when are we going to watch Super Bowl? Because we we're supposed to have this big surprise Super Bowl party for my grandmother mm-hmm. because it was her birthday. So um, I walk in. Well, we finish we finish at the at the um, at the park or whatever. So we drive home, and my grandmother lived in the country, right? So it was a long driveway. So it was cars like parked alongside the field, like, and we just drove up the driveway to the to the front. And I'm in my in my mind, I'm still thinking party, you know what I mean? Because it's a bunch of people like around. So we get out, and then uh, we walk to like we walk in. And I remember walking through the car like it's a carport. So we walked through the carport, through the the um, the kitchen, through like the computer room, whatever. And it's from the computer room. It's just like a straight shot to a couch that my grandmother was sitting on. Everybody was like surrounding her. And I'm just looking like, I'm still thinking it's a party because I couldn't see her face. I just saw everybody around her. So then everybody turned and looked at me and my two younger brothers. And at the time, uh, I just really didn't. I was really like at a loss for. Me. I didn't know what was going on. So then we walked in um, and my grandmother was crying. And I was like, what are you? What are you crying for? And she, she was like, your mom got into an accident and um, she didn't make it, you know, because that's how grand- that's how grandmother say it. Like when somebody passed, she didn't make it. And I just remember me and my brothers broke down and cried. And then I went into the room like right after um, and kind of like took it in and. As we were leaving, it was still sunny outside. So as we were leaving, we left with my aunt and I saw like, I was looking in the clouds and all that stuff, trying to figure out what happened. And from that moment, I haven't like, I haven't cried for anything since that moment. That was the last moment I decided that nothing else was going to hurt as much as that did. And I didn't cry like since then. So it's been, I'm 28 now. So you do the math. It's been that long since I've, anything has been worth shedding a tear on. So yeah, that's the story, and then. You know, so January twenty eighth is always bittersweet because my grandmother's birthday and it's the day my mom died. She died in an accident. She fell asleep at the wheel getting off work and yeah,
2: hit a sign and the whole night. So Yep. Well I guess I'm up next. <laughs> um and you know something is crazy is that I, I was excited about the topic and now I'm somewhat like scared because of everything that's coming up for me in in remembering it because um, when my father passed we knew that he was going to be passing he was on dialysis at the time Um, and uh, I know dialysis is kind of associated I mean dialysis is associated I feel like he associated it with and I because of our upbringing with eating unhealthy and being unhealthy which I still I there was a kidney situation that um I still am not clear about but mm-hmm. um I, I guess I say this for you dad cuz I know that he's he, he ain't healthy and he was not like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> killing himself yeah. but um uh but then there was um uh spots on his lungs and they could not really uh test him for uh test him for cancer in that situation. He has had cancer. He had had cancer before, mm-hmm. um, about 10 years prior to, to that moment. My father, uh, by the way, it was January, um, of 2016. Um, when he, when he passed, um, and I have to be honest, um, and say that I don't remember the exact day because it was a blur for me. Yeah. But, um, you know we knew that he was going to be passing um i was not present um for i feel like i wasn't present because i was on drugs mm-hmm. at that time and so when we when when we were called to go into the hospital room he, you know he's a veteran and he was in the va uh we went into the hospital room obviously knowing that he was um, no longer alive. And we I broke down and I cried and everybody was crying and hysterical. Um, I was also going through, obviously, addiction at the time. And then I also felt like my father wasn't ready to go. Mm-hmm. So that really fucked with me because he wasn't... I was out of control in my own life and I felt like I had no control over... Him dying and making peace with things before he left. Because he was, my father could hold a resentment and I'm like him. He could hold a grudge. He can hold a resentment. And that that, uh, I just didn't want to see him go that way. Mm. But um, I really dealt with it more um, going in and out of rehabs. Which um, it, it is it, it's a crazy, crazy thing, I guess, because it's like you don't get that opportunity, you know, to really deal with the I didn't get it. I didn't get the opportunity to really deal with his death at that time because I was I could barely take him. I stopped taking him to his dialysis treatments because I was getting high.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so it's been a process that I still am in currently dealing with this, dealing with, you know, the passing of my father, but, um, you know, it's, it, 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 you know, as long as I stay clean is, is, um, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with it and understanding it. Even at talking to my mother, they had personal, my father's old school, so they had personal conversations. And I come to find out he was, he was, um, he was ready Mm -hmm. and they did have a conversation about it and um you know i get to find out those things and deal with those things being clean and sober so that's my story i hope that made sense
0: (laughs) you guys both said something very interesting which is why i thought this topic was so important because being still young quote-unquote death is not something you start to deal with until you lose someone close to you. And um, from my experience, a quote I always say is that your life doesn't begin until you lose someone close. Until someone life who's, someone who's close to you, life ends. That's when mm-hmm. your life begins. Because it's, it puts life in itself into perspective. And I thought it was interesting what AD said. I haven't like your emotions stop or you became numb or you stopped crying ever since your mom died. And for me, it's when it started because I tried to do everything not to emotionally deal with it because for me, it was so big. Like it was the only parent that raises the only someone you see every single day Mm -hmm. to process mentally. And I don't care what age you lost your mom at 11. I lost my dad at um, it was 10. um, My father passed away December 10th. My birthday is December 16th. So six days before my birthday, my 24th birthday. So I lost my dad at 23. You lost your dad...
2: At 32.
0: At 32. But it's something you will deal with literally every day. So literally grasp that someone you saw every single day is not going to be here anymore. For months, my dad was just in New York. For mm-hmm. the first few months of his death. In my mind, like we didn't take any of his stuff out the house. We didn't make any transitions. His room was still his room. And I think mentally... Even though, I mean, I knew he wasn't in New York. Like, I'm like, oh, he's just visiting someone in New York. In my mind, I think that's how I was processing it. I wasn't processing it as if I'm never going to see him ever again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I started getting frustrated with myself. I didn't see my dad's body, even at his funeral. Um, he was buried in Africa. So we got a ch- Like, um, once that doctor came out and said, okay, he's no longer with us. You guys want to come in and see him? We refused. And I think because we, I never dealt with a close death. My dad was Muslim so like in the Muslim African culture women and children really don't come to funerals so our Mm -hmm. funerals aren't really like Mm -hmm. you know how the traditional American funeral there aren't wakes Mm -hmm. there's usually like especially because my family's from another country most people who died body was sent back home so we will have the religious ceremony but there will be no body present and in Africa even here most likely women and children aren't allowed to the burial process only because they said like with Muslim people they frown upon crying during funerals, they say you're not supposed to cry because it's an insult to God. Mm-hmm. So they think usually women are emotional, children are emotional. Those are two people that don't belong in that type of environment. So i never dealt with a close death. My dad was actually, I guess what you guys would call an undertaker, but he wasn't. That wasn't his career choice. Being Muslim, you have a special way bodies are washed to make their transition. Mm-hmm. So he was the person that people would call especially in our community because you know a lot of people were from Africa and it's like they didn't know anyone close so they would give him my father's number like he knows how to do it so he watched a lot of bodies and he would always come home and tell us like Scary stories about it. Death was definitely a topic in our household. Mm-hmm. My father always talked about death. I remember as a kid, he would tell me, like, you know, if um, we were talking about, I was afraid of dead bodies and stuff. I have a phobia of dead things, that animals, dead animals, dead. <laughs> yeah. So we will. He would always joke about it with me. He was like, I was like, oh my god, if you were to die, I don't know why we were talking about this, but <laughs> I was very young. I had to be like seven, and I'm like, if you would die, I would cry so much. I think he was telling us how you're not supposed to cry when someone died. Mm-hmm. and he's like, no, don't cry, just pray for me. Every time you pray for me. My father loved mangoes. He would say, God will fill my coffin with mangoes. So you got to keep praying pray for me all the time. So we will have that topic. And then when he was um, diagnosed with congestive heart failure, which is how he passed, he had two hospitalizations. And it was like unexpected. Like one day he was just sitting in the living room, couldn't breathe. We had to call 911, and his eyes was literally rolling to the back of his head. And I'm freaking out. Like, you know, the EMS is taking a long time. Eventually, they put him in a truck. We, I drove behind them, got to the hospital. He had, like, blood all over his shirt, and he, like, had the oxygen mask. He was freaking out. And I'm thinking, like, what is going on? What's wrong? He's in pain. And eventually, when we got in, like, he was fine. We went in to see him. And I'm like, why were you, like... Like moving frantically, and he was like, Because my money was in my wallet and I saw something with them people trying to steal wallet and trying to steal your money. And we were like when I say we were dying, like literally cracking up. So like both times when my father had to be hospitalized, it was all would end up to be a joke. So this is why this last one I was numb because it was like He's been joking. It's, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna he's gonna come out on top. Me and my sisters, we my my older sister is one year older than me. We basically having elderly parents, my dad had us at a very older age so right and then him that. being sick we took care of my my parents first my mom being deported so eventually you know i had to get a job at 14 making 40 dollars a week like mm-hmm. i gotta send my mom money so we mm-hmm. were sending my mom money back in africa when i turned 17 getting ready to go to college my father lost his job because he didn't have a uh, proper documentation so we eventually had to like separate and we were taking care of him too yeah so me and my sisters we kind of grew up at a young age and we're very mature at a young age and uh, you could tell the people in the hospital he was really bad they didn't want to tell us and they would keep saying you guys have anybody like like is there an adult i mean we were all adults technically in our Mm -hmm. 20s but they still looked at us as so young like so where's your family who's gonna come and we're like no you can tell us so they sugarcoated everything for us Mm -hmm. because i felt like they couldn't take like i don't think they can take it not even realizing what we've been through So, you know, it was, death wasn't like, even though i never experienced a close death, it was a topic in my household. That's what made it comfortable with my dad passing, but it was still not something I dealt with. Mm -hmm. So it was difficult. And I wasn't trying to deal with it because I didn't know how. So when a month passed and I would randomly just break out crying at work, I would get so frustrated with myself. Like, why am I not over this yet? This is what I'm thinking. Like, when is it going to get better you try to look for that answer like okay when is my life going to be normal again where i can go to how i was not even physically but mentally because it really fucks with your head like just trying to process especially losing a parent because no matter how old you are you go back into kid mode Mm -hmm. when you lose that parent it's like you you feel like damn i forgot how they taught me how to tie my shoe where are they i need you know you start feeling like you can't live without them so i felt like this was a topic for millennials because I feel like it's um, not a learning process, it's a necessary process when it comes to coming into your own, not just losing a parent, but losing anyone close to you. And the reason why I say your life begins is because for me, how I was able to go back to, how I was able to grasp the concept of death, it was, eventually you're gonna go with them. I don't care what you believe in religiously. I feel like this life is a process. And what I still beat myself up, up but my dad is like, I was thinking about myself, like, oh, I'm not going to be able to handle seeing his body or I don't want to go in there. How I'm going to eventually you are able to cope with it. You don't get better, but it becomes a part of your life and you're able to grasp it. But for him, that was a transition process for him and he had no one there with him. And I beat myself up because it's like we get so caught up onto earth issues and earth insecurities and things that were going on. That's not even permanent it's temporary and you don't even realize we all have to eventually make this transition and just like you have baby showers you have birthdays you have weddings you have all these milestones you go through i look at death as another milestone Mm -hmm. and the only fear in it is yo what if i don't fulfill my purpose before i'm supposed to go whatever that purpose is and being on earth i feel like we translate purpose as career goal which that's not what it is it's literally we're all here with a task that we're supposed to complete <laughs> and there's no age there's no age bracket for this task you ever i had a niece actually this was what i would have considered the closest before my dad but it wasn't even that close to me because i just had met my niece like she came from africa but we spent the whole summer together she ended up passing away and she was only 6 I felt like she lived for like 60 years. Mm-hmm. She was a whole adult. So her passing, even though it was tragic, it was like, yo, this kid, If you, I met her only for a summer. I can't imagine her mom and people who knew her for all six years. I only knew her for a few months. And I'm like, yo, this girl was here before. And like, I feel like she served her purpose and she, it was meant for her to go. So there's no age to it. It's just being able to understand that this is life is a process you're supposed to go through and you're supposed to get everything that you're supposed to get out of it and you're also supposed to put in everything God meant for you to put in before you go and the only fear is being so caught up into the to the basic tedious things of life that you forget it and when my dad passed I recently had just graduated the year before I was depressed because it's like I graduated first thing when you graduated Where's your job? I was working in a field that wasn't my, you know, I didn't go to school for it. So that's like the, in our minds for college graduates, that's the ultimate failure. Like, yeah I got the degree and I'm working at Foot Locker. Like, how, how does this make sense? So I was going through that depression and it's like, I would come home every day and I would not want to talk to anyone. Like, literally come home no one please don't talk to me. And I would just stay bottled up in my room about this one little thing. Like, I need a job. Like, just to say I haven't. Not even saying like, this is going to give me the ultimate life. I'm working in my career goal now and I'm still like, what is my purpose? Yeah. It's not enough for me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We go through life chasing and chasing and chasing chasing things to give our life meaning, not realizing that we're supposed to put meaning to it. Life isn't supposed to give us the meaning. So be- when I lost my dad, for me, it was like an eye opener. Like I was focused on this, not even realizing life was going on without me. And I wasn't present in that moment that, I was, you know, God, I felt like God gave me clues. My dad had two, he was hospitalized twice. And I felt like that was God's way of saying, I'm going to give you more time because he had congestive heart failure. That's not something that like, you know, he, to us, it's like he randomly just got Yeah,
1: sick. that's something that builds up. Yeah, that takes it time didn't and it build
0: and up time. for us. We didn't. Yeah. We, my dad was not the type to go to the doctor and he was healthy as can be in our eyes. But we didn't even realize he was deteriorating right in front of us. Yeah. And when he got sick, he only got, when he was hospitalized, it was only a few months before he died. So I feel like God was giving me that time and I wasn't in that moment. I was focused on the wrong things. So this is why I say I feel like this is something millennials in general have to learn how to face and cope with. The idea of death. Because once you lose someone close to you, you have to also then think on yourself. And reflect what is it going to be like when i pass you know Mm. or you just start thinking about death in general so for you guys what was like the moment of coming accepting that someone this person whoever it was your mom or your dad or just losing someone close to you how was that process like
1: i i look at it as this way like my like whoever you pray to whatever higher power right uh the universe has a funny way of working itself out, and a lot of that things that I've gone through and I've went through uh, may not have happened had my mom not passed away. Mm. So I look at it as uh, I was raised with my grandma. Mm-hmm. Right, everybody knows that's my number one lady. Um, so growing up, I I think I was like eighteen when I realized like how much we fed off of each other how much we needed each other through to get through to through life Mm -hmm. and she sat me down one day i think um after the funeral and the wake everything was over um and i when i made that decision not to not to cry it was like subconsciously because i just thought nothing would ever hurt more than this because i'm i'm 11 i don't have a wife and i don't have kids you know what i mean so there's nothing else that's gonna hurt worse than losing a parent at that age so it made me angry i was extremely like like angry we was already growing up in the projects or whatever so i was just an angry like angry kid and I, I i grew a knack for like fighting so my grandmother put me in boxing um i was already playing basketball so that's how that happened but she sat me down i think i got suspended for like three days from fighting and i told her why because the kid was talking about my mom he didn't even know my mom you know how kids yeah. just, just tease your
0: mama yeah yeah
1: so i you know clocked him upside his head i got sent home and she sat me down and was like, she's gone. I, I, it's nothing else we can do. Like, you hurt, I hurt, your brothers are hurt, everybody's hurt. What we can do is, you know, not let her her name go in vain. So over the course of time, my grandmother, after that, she raised me to be a man since like the age of like 13. So dressing right, grooming right, all these things that I may not have been exposed to. Um, certain people I got to meet, certain things I got to do, you know, had that, you know, thing not, had that not happened, that situation not happened. Right. So I look at it as, like, everything happens for a reason. Mm. So although, yeah, it hurts to have her gone, you know, because nobody wants to lose a parent or anybody close to them for that matter. Um, I have to look at, okay, how did my life turn out after that? And I can't really complain. Right. So the thing with millennials is we we have this knack of – invincibility
0: mm.
1: you know we, we do all the crazy shit when we're young we jump off of buildings we
0: like race
1: fast. fast we drive cars fast we, we you know we indulge in our vices and, and these things and we don't think that we're people we think that oh, we're supposed yeah. to do this, especially if your parent dies or somebody close to you dies older.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: you... you, just you know, older seem so old. far away. right yeah, like, I got until 50 yeah. or at least to do all this craziness. But no, I come from... You know, a lot of kids didn't make it to see 21 right, right. 22, nice. which was a big reason I ended up moving to Jersey to escape some of that. Mm. Um, so I just think that, you know, a lot of people look at death mm. as a bad thing, and it's, it's because of... I don't want to say religion, but mm-hmm. it's yeah. how it's how it's placed in society in America. That's, right, it's right. only it is really only in America. Right. Right. That's other fast. other countries you go to when people pass. Like we just watched the movie. Um, what's the movie? Coco. We watched a movie Coco. Mm-hmm. Right. It's about a Mexican kid. Um, what is it called? their Passover or when he crosses over. Um, I can't think is of Is it, it when right
0: they now. Go, No, that's something. But it's. Uh,
1: the other day. day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Oh, yeah, what when they
0: it? go to the. Co- again. Yeah, yeah. I was just. What is it called?
1: What is it called, Spanish?
0: Is it, day I day think it's night called night? the Day of the Dead. Yeah. yeah. And you go, okay. to the, uh, you go to the grave site on the death yeah. anniversary or mm-hmm. that day, and yeah. then you guys like have a celebration. Yeah, but the
1: Mexicans have like, yeah they have, yeah, they have one day where, they, where they, their village, you know, they have a mantle or whatever, all their pictures, and it's like, it shows the yeah. other side and how they're living and their spiritual Just life. Just
0: even to add on oh, to yeah. that, even if you watch international news, when they're reporting a death, they actually saw the body. hmm And most like... Mm-hmm other countries yeah. they will show you know like that's something we disguise and stuff like that yeah, they show it's a idea. cultural
1: thing because they, um, they come with the terms of death earlier because of how they live off the land how they live off of each other how they live off of more you know more family you know camaraderie based life right. you know what i mean so they don't really look at death as like oh we lost him they look at it as like a rite to passage almost. Yeah, anyway. it's like,
0: it's a part of life. Yeah,
1: so the spirit has to live on. And the only way the spirit can live on is if you keep the memories alive. And, right. You know what I mean?
0: So, you know, we all start off with the storyline of forever. I look at it like everyone's life has a story. which you even mentioning that, you know, even though it's some when you say it's just something that happens? I yeah. feel like we're all given a story. We don't realize our story until... We're kind of in the middle of it. So, something like losing your mom, the same way I felt about my dad, it's sad. But to an outsider looking in, it's like tragic. Like, how do you yeah, move on? Yeah, exactly, but to me, exactly. it's like, I'm sad because I miss him. But it also felt like it was something that was supposed to happen. I didn't see my mom for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Right after my dad passed away, literally months later, mind you, we did a reapplication. Me and my sister's are citizen. So you have to reapply to get, you know, if you want your parents to come over. So we did that application process. And usually it's something that you would know on the spot. Like, mm-hmm. if you're approved or you're not approved. My dad was alive when we did this application for her. And we they was like, you know, we'll call you back. So we've like been waiting for years. Like at this point, they gonna play it. She's not gonna get approved. Like and through my whole life, I was just had a fear of my mom passing away because mm-hmm. I didn't right. get a chance to see her. Yeah. So I wasn't even thinking about my dad. Like I'm like, you know, oh my god, I'm never gonna see my mom again. And eventually when my dad passed away, literally, me and my sisters took all our money. And put it together like, let's just go to Africa. Like, we already lost our dad. Mm-hmm. We don't know how long. It became real to us. Like, we, yeah. we could lose yeah. our mom. Let's make it so, we took all our money, went to Africa, spent literally like a week with her, thousands of dollars just to go spend a week mm-hmm. with her. And as soon as we came back, your mom got approved. And now that my mom's here, i literally could never have pictured as a kid when my mom got deported it was like oh my god my family would never be together again mm-hmm. and that was a tragedy i had to deal with and now that my mom is here it's like i could have never imagined my mom and dad in the same household it was like my dad had to raise us like from a male's perspective from you know as a kid to adolescence for me to be who i am today i had to be raised by men it's a unique type of situation and now that i'm a mom and i'm a woman now i'm dating i'm older I needed my mom for specifically this process.
1: Yeah, that yeah. that's not that's, my dad. Yeah. Exactly. That's how I saw it. So, my mom grew up, right? My mom my mom was a hustler. She wasn't perfect, mm-hmm. right? We had to do we had to do and that's it's where I get my entrepreneurial spirit from. I tell right?
0: you all the time. I get it from it's my crispy. mom. No to, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, but what I've come to realize is that the polish my my mom made made the diamond she made the rock she she got it out the cold but my grandmother polished it mm. and as a man it takes you it takes a long to you know it takes a long time to get a man to to get in his groove to polish him off to know mm. how to move in a certain situations. and I met my father when I was 14 mm. that might not have happened had I, my mom not you passed because mm. I, I may not have gotten the urge to meet my father because I wouldn't have gave a fuck had I met him or not Right, right. but when she died I was like alright I was one parent I need to know what happened to the other right, you know right. what I mean so then I we got on the search now I know my father now I have like 85 nieces and nephews and 6 other siblings and you know I have my little sister who's just ha- has me wrapped around her finger and, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's different things I, I may not have got the courage to do this kind of stuff because at the end they always boil it down to this right um I've, I've been, like, uh, damn near homeless, um, you know, broke, all that stuff. And I always think, like, well, well shit, I lost my mom. doesn't get no worse. that's right, that's, right. that's, that's if, It can't get any worse than that. Mm-hmm. I, until, you know, I have kids and all that stuff, nothing else holds dear to me like, like that. Right. So when I have that logic, it's like, all right, well, get up, dust yourself off, tie your shoes, you know, make it happen. So, I mean, these things all happened to transpire us to become, you know, greater than what we can see at the moment. Right. You know what I mean? Through the hurt. So you get through the hurt. And that's another thing. My grandmother told me to let it hurt. Yeah.
0: Right. Oh, now, that you know, is so real. Yeah, I didn't
1: cry like because it just wasn't, you know, coming. Right. But the anger and the hurt and the, the screaming, and, and we lived in the country, so I could scream right. and punch and throw and kick. And I did all that for like a good... From, like, 11 to, like, high school. So I'm we're talking so about a good three, four, five years. And she, every time, she would just walk by and look, and i see her, and she let it hurt. She'd say, let it hurt, and walk out, uh, walk away. And I'd be punching a tire or, like, working outside with my uncles on the farm and just... But that anger, when I got to high school, when I hit puberty, my body, I was in shape mm-hmm. because I was so angry, and I was using my anger to throw hay and to wrestle with cows and whatever the case may be and i got to f you and it was like holy shit where does, how is how does this kid built like this right. and that's, but that's that's why but like you don't notice that going through it so let it hurt yeah. that's the
0: best advice someone gave me so i'm glad you mentioned that because when i said i was battling with trying to be numb or just try to get over it like i get over everything like mm-hmm. it was like even with my mom being deported it was something that that's when i became numb it was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is something I have to deal with every day. And every day is a new thought. What if she dies? Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to see my mom again. Oh, just the little things. My whole life trans- turned to something completely different from what I knew. So I just didn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. However, with my dad, I was trying to go through, like, not consciously, but subconsciously use that same mechanism. We all have, like, a, a defense mechanism mm-hmm. we create to get over things. And I was trying to apply the same things I use when I fail a test or I don't make a team. Or boy play me with death. Right. I was trying <laughs> to use that same d- defense yeah, mechanism. Like, I'm going to take a day. Tomorrow I'm going to be mm-hmm. good. I'm going to stunt. I'm going to stunt on life and just, you know, go put my throw myself. I, I'm a workaholic. So I right. just mm-hmm. do a bunch of things to get my mind off of it. And with my dad, that wasn't working. And that's what made me frustrated. And the best advice I got was to let it hurt. Let it hurt. That is like, I would have days and it's like, you're supposed to cry. It's not, I used to tell myself, it's a month. Why am I still crying? no this is going to be your yeah, life yeah, every love, day from now yeah. so now i literally if, even to this day it's like i'll wake up in the mood and i'm like oh i already know what time it is mm. like i'm about to cry on <laughs> my dad today i'm like let me go sit in my bed put my phone on silent and i i'm not even i'll be happy about it because it, it becomes a a, a a way of refreshing yourself yeah exactly and You're i deal that. with things like that now here mm. on out with every little thing i go through Is like Take a day, take two, and really
1: take, it, take the time you need because if yes. you don't, you're gonna end up hurting. I tell people this in relationship too. Mm-hmm. When you, whenever you lose something that you care deeply about, you gotta take a minute to let it hurt. All right. I have a friend, a friend of mine back home in Florida, just lost her grandmother. Yeah. Same thing. She's like, it's only, it's been, it's been like two weeks. Why am I not over this? I'm like. You just lost, like, the most... One of the most important <laughs> right. people it's yeah. That shit's not going to go away for, like, yeah. a while. Like, let it hurt. Like, whenever you feel it, walk... Remove yourself. However it comes out, you, you let it come out, and you take a breath, and you go back to life. And then the next time it happens again, and before you know it, it'll happen less, and it'll happen less, and yeah. it'll happen less.
0: I definitely want Jason to speak on this, because what us even talking about, like... I feel like the reason why we don't let it hurt is because we become so used to finding... The coping mechanism like finding mm-hmm. things a drug that's the quote mm. we were just talking about in the car we find we all have a drug on how we get over loss yep. and I'm not even talking about loss of death I'm talking about just loss, loss in general yeah, and, and whatever you would consider a loss we have things that we a drug that we use yeah. to not deal yeah. to not deal with it mm. where something as losing in order to gain yourself back you cannot have use a drug to overcome mm, you it. it. You out. have to let it have. You have to feel it. Like you have to let yourself feel it. So for you, do you feel like you went through it? I want you to just talk about your process, which, what you, with you. <laughs>
2: my you know, father.
0: Yeah, my, I mean, it's still a process now for all of us. But right, right, right. Now,
2: um, I, I honestly don't think that I mean, when it comes to my addiction, um I don't think that I used because of my father. I was already using. I was Mm -hmm. already in active addiction. Even when it came to the guy I was dating before the drugs, I was addicted to him. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was my drug. So, I mean, it was already, it was already in full blown mode. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it definitely, I ended up you know, well, I'm already high, so it's like I can't really experience. I don't know if I would have done that if I had not been at this point in time. If I was losing my father, I would like to say I would not have picked up uh, a substance mm-hmm. because I'm already in the routine of not picking up a substance through anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it definitely, definitely, I have to say that the way that I have already, the way that I have, I think I was thinking by the time that my father was passing was also that this is, this is, this is our life. You know what I mean? And, you know, my father came in this world for a reason and, 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 um, I came in this world for a reason and I don't know. I just saw it as this very deep, special thing. You know what I mean? And I had never, I like feeling pain to be honest with you. I don't know why. I've been that way since I was a little kid. I don't like feeling pain in front of people, but I like feeling it pain internally. I like to feel it, yeah, and I like to feel it by myself. Mm -hmm. I like to put on sad music
0: and cry. That is so mean. Cool. <laughs> I like, I do. Did you used to look at yourself in the mirror as a kid too when you were crying? Oh, that's the only weirdo thing I was. Doing.
2: No, I've always had okay, a problem. <laughs> I like,
0: just stop raining! am like, why am I crying? Why does this feel so good?
2: I've always had a Not problem with yeah, the mirror. It like, you get so
0: much bottle yeah. in. Thing,
1: oh my God. I had a thing where it would rain and it's Florida. So when it rains, it's still like 85 degrees. Yeah, yeah. So I would go and sit in the rain. That was my way of crying. That was my way of my body crying. Because I, I wasn't... Like, people say, oh, you don't cry this like You've so never cried
0: since your mom passed? No. Way. Like, not even by... Like, you broke a, you Like, you literally just... What did you break your... Oh, head no. Head it's, injuries,
1: no. I have a high pain times. I have been shot. In,
0: uh, <laughs> you're not human.
1: Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I'm convinced. You're I get, like a robot. I get, I get that a lot. But, but it's not that I just don't cry to be tough. It's just, like... The way my mind works, and I take I've taken being in the country, have a lot of time to think, and so I'm like 15 years old, trying to figure out how my mind works and how I process things. So now I look weird as fuck because when I do my processing, to everybody else, I look one like I'm like I got the 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 bitch face, (laughs) or two I I, like I have an attitude. I don't. I'm just like processing. Processing Yeah. So it wasn't like I. I made a like a conscious decision not to cry. It's like subconsciously it was like nothing else is gonna hurt worse than this. So when something else does happen, I don't even it doesn't even register to like let it get to to crying. Mm-hmm. Now I'll tear up. Like when I watch This Is Us,
0: oh, you know I right? I've right. right?
1: <laughs> teared up one one of to, those like, shows. to like sit. I've tried. I've actually tried to cry. And it didn't work. And it didn't work. And it's just like I can hear something saying, nah. For what you know what i mean that kind of thing so but my way is rain whenever it rains i to this day would i not i'm not here because when it rains it's like 30 degrees <laughs> yeah. but, I, but i will open the door i will open the window i will sit i sit on the porch out when i'm home in florida like i'll sit on the porch and just let the rain happen because that's my way especially if i'm hurting at the same time it's my way of you know, a cleanse, if you will.
0: I wish I could do that. Even when I, like, and I don't like to cry.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't like it. I try not even like to cry, but what it represents. I don't like how you like to feel pain. I don't like at times. At yeah. times, I like. To, times. I
1: like. I like when the pain comes because I know something good is going to come out. Right. Oh, that's, that's what so I believe. Fast. Yeah. You know
0: what I tell people? That's when I'm talking about story. Everyone's life, like our entire life is a story, yeah. whether it's going to be a love story, whether it's going to be a thriller, <laughs> a horror, we all have a story. And as you go through life, the ups and downs, you start to figure your story out. Yeah. And yeah. what you are saying, like you know, when something bad happens, that's been my story. Like, even though I don't like to feel pain and I don't necessarily know how to deal with the bad, whenever something bad happens. Not even to say it's so cliche to say this, but literally it's like okay, God, I get it. Something good exactly. That. And you're just like waiting, exactly, just like letting the storm ride. Like every, I, I'm cool because I know something good is about to come. Out exactly.
1: Of take take my injury. I never or, think that. Yeah, take my injury. My injury, for example, when I got hurt, um, everybody's like, oh man, you can't play ball anymore. And I've I've been you've known I've been yeah she knows I've been playing ball since like like I can walk
0: right
1: right. But it got to a point, and, and my uncle and my aunt, my grandma would always tell me whenever you find something more passionate. This shit is not gonna matter. Like, basketball's not gonna matter. I used to be like, I'm 16, like, yeah, whatever. I'm about to go dump. Ball is life, literally. (laughs) But when I got hurt, um, he was like, all right, we'll get the surgery, we'll do what we gotta do, and I'll work on the media stuff. You Mm -hmm. know I mean? That was the first thing I thought. Like, it's the first thing I asked the doctor, will I be able to sit and work on things? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you'll be fine. That was cool. I didn't care about basketball. I mean, I cared about coaching, obviously, but I didn't care about anything else as far as being active because I had this. So it was like, alright, this hurts. It, it was painful, but now my mind has to work that much more to do this. God
0: has a way of saying, shut up and sit down. Yeah. Like, and shut and up, sit down it. and listen. And, yeah. and loss is one of those things, because for me, it was that too. Yeah. It was like me losing my dad, I was able to put all those things that I wouldn't shut up, not shut up about, but all those things I was neglected mm-hmm. while trying to stay busy on the wrong thing and i feel like when it comes to loss, it's an eye-opener process for yourself i tell people all the time it's one thing with dealing with the death of a person the the death in itself like you know losing someone and then making that transition you have to one that's part one of dealing with that process and being there for that person Mm -hmm. you know we can't grasp as humans, we have a hard time grasping what's not there, yeah. and that's where religion comes in. Mm-hmm. I feel like people stick to religion because it's something they can hold. You can hold the Bible, you can hold the Quran, uh, you can go to church, you can physically do something to associate yourself to this whole big nothing, yeah. like yeah. something we can't define, we can't hold, life, we can't understand it. So a lot of people stick to religion to try to associate it with something to have physical. something to believe in, yeah, it to have some something to believe in, but yeah, with. When someone dies, it's like all of that is questioned because yeah. it's like, do you really
1: but believe that? When when people die and you hurt, it's 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 out of being selfish a lot of the time, because right? It's never like you never think about the past, and that's why people always tell you to remember the, the memories, mm-hmm. right? It's never about the past; it's always about well, what's going to happen am I in the gonna future? Move forward?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, think, I say, go ahead. I I think that that's the, I think that that's why my father might have his time was up. Because it moved me to the next phase of of my life, which would be, and I would be in and out of rehabs and, and, and I would be dealing with it in in that situation. I really do believe that. Um, It's funny that you say that because it just made, it it, it actually brings peace to me right now, Mm. just knowing that, that, you know, um, his, his death definitely uh, impacted my life and, I feel like it, it it brought me to back to my original nature. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because when you're when when you're on drugs, you're not. That's not who you are. All yeah, the, it's the monster, the yeah, mm-hmm. fucking and selling yeah. yourself and fighting and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, happens. And um, you know, really wanting to make him proud is is it, it, it doesn't? It's not like the driving force. It, it 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 is it is uh motivating mm-hmm. it does motivate me but i feel like uh, you know you you definitely can't just do it off of that you have to want that yourself yeah. but yeah. Uh, you know just thinking I, that's why i think death is actually special it is that's why you know going back to that that's why i think death mm-hmm. is special because it, it does, it change it changes your life, and you can, like, go ahead, that's what I'm saying, like, you can go ahead and you can cry, and you can yeah. go ahead and, and, yeah, and mourn it, right. mourn, the, mourn the death, because, you know what I mean, because it's, you're gonna miss the person.
1: Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? Or, like, me and my father, my father was old school, significantly older than me, and, you know, he was raised in the army, and he saw a lot of death along that mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. and, you know, his his way of, you know, raising his kids was cursing you the fuck out. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and and I wish that I had had that, uh, you know, that more loving relationship with my father. But I feel like when I got rerouted and and through recovery, I ended up needing a sponsor. And that sponsor gave me that love. And I feel like my father... Made that happen, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Those go that will go to my other beliefs that my father is here right now. Yeah, I believe that he is. Yeah,
1: and I I, I do that too. I, I sometimes I hear my mother like call my middle name. Mm-hmm. Um, she would say it fully. She's the only person who, well, her and my grandmother, the only people who say fully. So I hear those things sometimes, and I just feel like my life is a is is a, like a course. It's a story, and I, like we're moving through. You know the universe and I, it's all these things attached to me right mm-hmm. and some things have to fall off right in order for something else to come back to make me that much more stronger right so when i go through life being cut from basketball teams or tell, being told no i was too small I was too short i was too back then it was he was too dark to do these kind of Linder. things right um the anger in me from my mom passing always gave me a "fuck you mentality Mm-hmm. So whenever somebody told me no, my stubbornness kicked in, I'm a tourist also. Mm-hmm. My stubbornness <laughs> kicked in and I didn't know that about you guys. <laughs> and, and over time it uh, my grandmother showed me how to harness it in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So my anger would come out in sports, it would come out it wouldn't come out against PI people. I'm always empathetic, I always have respect for everybody, the janitor and the CEO. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So but in competition that it'll come out, you know what I mean? So this, I look at this competition. So when, you know, people are working with me and they're like, well, I'll do that later. No, we do this shit right now. We got to get this right now. We got to make this happen right now because we only got one life, right? Right? And part of the reason I like doing this shit so much is because uh, no matter what, you know what I mean? I could, God forbid, walk out this garage and, and die, right? There's at least 33 episodes of my voice, that you can always all stand and test the test of time.
0: You I want to mean? touch on that because with you guys even saying what, you know, your loved one brought to you from me, you know, I we joke about me being baby Oprah and that's a, a joke I started because I really just love Oprah. <laughs> but um, what a lot of people don't know about me is my dad, <laughs> he was a huge religious figure, mm-hmm. but him being older and wiser in the African tradition, when things will go wrong in like the village You don't have a marriage counselor. You don't have a... You know, you go to the wise one. Mm -hmm. And that's who my dad was. So growing up in my house, I done woke up, like, got ready for school and kindergarten, opened the door, and there'll be a woman literally crying on my floor, like, where's your dad? Like, people, my father, like, would counsel people through marriages, through family issues, through death. Mm -hmm. He wasn't that it person. I grew up with literally... Hundreds of people in my house I grew up with like (laughs) Living with 13 people Mm -hmm. Whenever someone Will come to the country They will give them My dad's number And like okay Go to him He'll help you And a month before My dad passed I remember This girl knocked on the door Now I'm used to my dad Being this person That was just my life Like And I used to like I didn't grasp it But when I would go places They were like Oh That's such and such daughter And I would just You know I used to be happy about that But um, Even with my dad He would record Himself He had cassettes But he would do it Old school With a tape uh, with a tape recorder okay, And he funny. will do what we're doing Literally right now yeah. To the T mm-hmm. My father will talk on topics Of like inspiring people and just wisdom and light mm. and deep shit and God. And literally, I I remember getting so many whoopings because, you know, it's on a tape recording. He didn't have the whole laptop and the gadgets mm. we have now. And me and my sister would be fighting while he recorded and he would run out the room like, God, yeah, and literally whoop all our asses. Like, I grew up in a house of doing what <laughs> I'm doing now. And I swear to God, I never made the connection. I never said, I'm going to do this because my dad did this. Never, ever until now. Mm. And I remember even as a kid, my dad used to, he African, so like, you know, growing up in the hood, my dad would always think like American people are bad influences, because we grew up in the hood so it was always like the gang banging and stuff like that <laughs> so he would never want us hanging out with the people in our neighborhood, and I remember people would always call my house, and he would get so mad, because me and my dad, I have his personality to teeth, my sisters are the complete opposite so if the house phone rang in my house it was either for my dad, or it was for me and he would get so mad, because he would answer the phone, somebody like, oh can I speak to the and he's like, what I tell you about hanging with them Americans they're going to put you in <laughs> do all these things to you. And I remember telling my dad, like, do you know how people always come to you for advice and need you? That's what he would do to me. And he understood it. It wasn't even like, okay, but she's trying to get over on me, get on punishment. He would literally get it. I remember convincing him to give me a cell phone um, because I was like, okay, dad, me and you need a cell phone. Like, it's cell phone season and you know people yeah, always so. call us because they need <laughs> advice and they need to talk to you so yeah. come on bring your social security card well, that time you needed well, credit said. that's why I needed my dad it was, it was the truth
2: <laughs> so
0: like I remember like a month before my dad died, a girl knocked on the door and he opened the door and he didn't know she was like my age huh. he's like oh one of your friends at the door and I look like I don't know her and she walked in and she was like no somebody gave me your name I'm here to speak to you um, My she just had a baby with a guy that she thought wanted her and he ended up not wanting her so he left her she was hospitalized because she actually tried to give the child bleach like she had postpartum depression somehow she got the child back i don't know how but then her family disowned her for having the baby out of wedlock Mm -hmm. and she ends up at my dad's footstep my dad was 65 Mm -hmm. i wouldn't even talk to my dad about having a boyfriend let alone how this girl was able to come and just open up to my dad and tell her everything and I remember putting him and her in my car and driving them to her house and he had to mediate you know the the the, the drama between his the family and her and they ended up letting her back in and this was something that was going on for years and it was then like back then when I was a kid. You know, my dad would be talking to people about marriages, drug abuse, family issues. But I was a kid, so I was like, okay, this has nothing to do with me. But now that I was older and seeing him talking to this girl about her being in love with this guy, this guy promised her everything and he ended up leaving her and now her family disowned her and going through postpartum depression. And I'm like, yo, that's when it processed to me who my dad was. And with me even doing this now and being able to relate it to... What my dad did, I feel like losing someone. You don't even realize the impact they have on your life until they're gone. And sometimes God needs you to understand that for you to go through that next Uh, phase. That's why everyone don't make it with you.
1: When did you get pregnant?
0: Ah, Wow!
1: Last
0: year, when I was twenty-five. All
1: right. So you just said, right? You Mm -hmm. would never come to your father because, as long as I've known you, it's always been. I ain't got time for these things.
0: Yes. Everyone says,
2: <laughs> I ain't got time for these things. Yeah, yeah. I remember that so too. Imagine, imagine when I see you.
0: Everyone, remember. you're not alone. But my uncle just said, your that father, TV the
2: too. thing
1: happens with your father and then you end up having a child. Yes. So these things happen.
0: I told my all, boyfriend that. And he Actually, my boyfriend told me that because I always talk to him about my dad. And he was like, yo, my mom is, my mom. That's why I, I needed my mom for this process in my life because when my mom came in a picture, when my dad, we had no boyfriend. I was twenty two. What boyfriend? Like I remember, my dad found the kind in of my pocket, but I didn't. It was I wasn't even having sex. Yeah.